uh, three, four verses in the middle of a story that I'm sure everyone here has heard about, the story of David and Goliath. 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning at verse 26, it said, And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So so shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? Have you ever been asked that before? Why camest thou down hither? Verily forsooth, that I might partake of the victuals. No. And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And this morning, I, in, in prayer earlier this week, I just felt this question just prompted to me over and over. And I honestly tried to get away from it because I thought, well, that's kind of goofy. But this is the question as, or speaking, as I'm speaking to fathers today. This simple question, a variation of this, what is your cause? What's your cause? I want us to pray this morning that the Lord would have his way in our hearts today. Lord Jesus, we come before you thankful, honored, privileged, Lord, amazed and astounded to be in your presence today, God. And Lord, we know that your word is anointed, that your word speaks to us, God. And I pray that it does the work that it's here to do, that you would anoint my lips, anoint our ears today to hear your word, God. That you would touch our hearts today, God, that you would challenge us today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I would like to say happy Father's Day to my own father. You know, we started uh, having podcasts and, uh, you know, there's a little concern, you know, because nowadays with politically correct speaking and everything, you wonder if you say something and who might listen. I'm actually more concerned because my parents can listen than anyone else, but <laughs> so happy Father's Day, Dad, if perchance you happen to hear this. I am thankful for my father and I'll mention a little bit later how he mistreated me in life. Um, Dad, I'm not going to tell the stories about getting switched with the thorn bush. I'm not going to tell those stories. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Kept me home from daycare for a few days because of that one. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell that story. <laughs> but Father's Day, I know, is, is one of those days that... Uh, Mother's Day, everyone seems to love their mom. But Father's Day can sometimes bring uh, a twinge of something else. As we live in a society that has uh, increasingly fathers have become distant, uh, with all the statistics are out there, and if you're alive, then, then you know. People having issues with their fathers, abandonment, various things. And so Father's Day can be a conflicting time for some people. And I don't throw it out there just throwing out a bone to somebody, but I am very grateful for my Heavenly Father. I know that in the midst of any situation, in the midst of the darkest times, that He can be my Father, and I'm thankful for that today. I would also like to start out this morning by commending our fathers. You know, a lot of kids' shows and various things that I've, I've seen, uh, 
the father usually is the, the ignorant one on the show, right? And while that may be very true in most families, uh, I don't necessarily need to have it propagated to my kids that I'm that dumb. But fathers are kind of the, the goofy one, they're kind of whatever, and, and, uh, and, and rightly so, many fathers get a bad name because they are not living up to what they're supposed to be, but I would like to commend the fathers that are here today. In fact, today, uh, studies have been done, they've been done uh, from the 60s and, and tracking uh, various aspects about the family, and I would like to commend you because today's statistics show that the father, mother and father, but father in particular are now spending more time with their children than ever before since it's been recorded in the early 60s. Multiple studies show that modern moms and dads spend more time with their kids than, than it would be my, my dad's parents ever spent with him. Of course, there was 12 kids, so that's a little hard too. But in the 60s, mothers spent roughly 54 minutes per day with their children, which is almost doubled to 104 minutes per day. Fathers, though, I want to commend you because in the 60s, they spent roughly 16 minutes daily with their kids. They came home from work and, I don't know, I wasn't alive in the 60s, I don't know what they did in the 60s. But they spent 16 minutes of that day with their kids. That is almost quadrupled to just under an hour a day that fathers are spending with their children. So I would like to commend fathers. You see on television, there's commercials telling you to spend time with your kids and everything. And I would like to commend you for seeing the value of your family, for seeing the value of your children, that it's more than just work and, and, and doing whatever you want to do, but your kids are important. I commend you for that today. But I want to speak to you today or ask you the question today, what's your cause? The world is full of causes. Seems like every day there is some new cause that shows up on the news or surrounds us. Doesn't necessarily mean that the causes are bad. I'm not preaching against causes. There's a, a multiplicity of them. There's a, a cause for everything. And actually it kind of amazes me what people give their lives in cause for. Things that I've never even considered before. And they're passionately defending this cause. And again, there are very worthy causes that are out there. Many things that are, are worth our time and investment uh, because it's important what they're supporting. We're surrounded by them. In fact, there's a, a website called GoFundMe that is strictly, you can see the slide up there, it says, everyone has a cause, what's yours? It's easier than ever to start a campaign and become an everyday hero. GoFundMe, you can become a hero by just starting a cause for somebody else, or it is called GoFundMe, perhaps the cause is yourself, more likely the case. But a cause is simply defined as a reason or motive for some action. A reason or a motive for some action. What's your cause? In the passage that we read, we find the word cause being mentioned there in a question that David asks. Just to recap this story quickly, David is sent by his father to where his brothers are with the rest of the Israelite army. Here they are encamped across the valley from the Philistine army who is trying to invade and overtake Israel. They have been encamped here for at least 40 days. As we know, that is the number of days that the Philistine champion Goliath has come forth and challenged the army of Israel. He's come out for 40 days, so they've been there at least that amount of time. It is at the time that Goliath makes his daily appearance that David arrives on the scene. This is David who is just a shepherd still at this point. He arrives with bread and cheese for his brothers who are fighting in this war. 
And he finds the Israelite army, they are cowered by this one Philistine giant. And so David begins talking. He shows up expecting there to be a battle raging, something to be happening. Instead, he finds the men gathered around each other talking and and discussing what's going on. And he begins to talk with them and he asks them what is taking place. And so they begin to discuss with him and, and tell him, this is Goliath and here's what he's done and this is what is happening. And Eliab comes over and hears about it. This is David's eldest brother. And he challenges David and asks him, what are you doing here? Why have you come to this place? Perhaps there's some guilt. Perhaps there's something there that David has caught the army that's not ready to fight there. He accuses him of just making a show. David, you're just here out of the pride and naughtiness of your heart. He tells tells him, in fact, you just need to get back to the sheep where you belong. Who's watching the sheep? It's at this point after having heard what the Philistine Goliath has said about he's heard all that he has said and having heard what would happen to the man who defeated Goliath and having been scolded by his brother David utters these words, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? He says, is there a reason? Is there not a reason that I shouldn't be talking and asking questions about what's going on? Is there not cause enough for something to be happening that something should be done, something should be taking place? And he asked these, questions, this, these two questions for two reasons. The first is because of the unrighteousness and defiance of Goliath towards God. And, and the, the defiance of Goliath towards his people. Goliath has come out and he has uh, railed against God. He has railed against the Israelites. And David doesn't understand why nobody is defending the name of God. Why nobody is defending his people. And secondly, he says, is there not a cause, is there not a reason to talk about this because of the reward that is promised by the king, King Saul? We find that there is, if you would, a king's ransom that will be paid to the man who defeats Goliath. And David asks these questions saying, these two things here, do these not make the cause worth discussing, never mind fighting for? And as we take a larger view for just a minute, we understand the world in which we live. It is a world that is opposed to righteousness. It's a world that's opposed to holiness. It's a world that's opposed to truth. And we understand that this world has nothing eternal that it can offer to us. It is only temporal pleasures that it offers even at its best. And as sin rears its ugly head in people's lives, it seeks to destroy them by any means. Make no doubt about it, sin is looking to kill, steal, and destroy in your life. And because of that fact, as we see sin multiplying, as we see sin affecting people's lives, you and I know that there is a cause that is worth fighting for. It is a cause worth fighting against sin. There is a cause worth fighting against unrighteousness. Let me say it this way. Truth is worth fighting for. Righteousness is worth fighting for. Holiness is worth fighting for. I want to challenge you today as a people, not just as fathers. Is there not a cause worth fighting for today? I believe there's something worth fighting for in our community. Something worth fighting for in my family. Something worth fighting for within my own personal life. I want to challenge you today to not quit fighting. Don't be cowered by the enemy. Don't think that just because he's a giant that he has more power than you because the scripture tells me greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I challenge you today, take up the fight one more time. Pick up the weapons again because the fight is worth fighting today.
I want to remind you today as well that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood because the enemy would like nothing more than to get our eyes off of what is really happening and onto the flesh and blood that we see. You can get worked up about a lot of stuff. I was talking, I think I was talking to Sister Shirley Moore the other day. We were talking about the news and man, how they can just get you riled up about anything. You watch anything long enough, man, it'll just get you all worked up. And Sister Moore was getting all worked up. I had to calm her down, sit her down in the chair. No. <laughs> I was getting all worked up thinking about it. They'll get you all worked up. And you know what? The all, all, only thing that does is get your eyes turned from what's really happening. Because Scripture doesn't say that we fight against people. It doesn't say that we fight against political parties. It doesn't say that we fight against amendments and bills. It says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we re, uh, wrestle against principalities. And it tells us that we do not fight uh, in, in a physical sense, but the weapons of our warfare. They are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. You see, that's the issue. We're concerned about the flesh and blood and the strongholds are still there. I wish somebody would realize there's a cause that is worth fighting for. That there's strongholds that I need to battle against. That there's things that I need to come against in my own life, in my family's life, in the city's life. There's a spiritual fight that must be fought. Is there not a cause? Most definitely there is. The second reason there was a cause, David said, was not... Just because of unrighteousness coming against the name of God, but because of the reward. And you and I understand the reward. The one who defeated Goliath would receive riches and the king's daughter in marriage. Riches untold, unfathomable. And you and I know that there is something more to this life than what we just see in the here and now. We know that there is a treasure worth fighting for as well. That besides sin and unrighteousness taking over, that there is a treasure waiting for you and I that I am fighting for. I know that there is a marriage to the King of Kings waiting for me. To the one who endures to the end. To the one who fights the good fight and stays the course to the end. I want to remind you today, is there not a cause? Yes, the reward is worth the fight. The reward is worth the battles I must go, to, go through. The reward is worth so much more than anything of this earth. Why don't you clap your hands if you're thankful that there's a reward? Why don't you clap your hands if you're going to continue the fight for the reward of heaven someday? I thank you, Lord Jesus. The challenge, though, that I want to issue to fathers today is not just whether there is a cause, whether there's not a cause, because most of us would agree with the bigger picture that there is a cause worth fighting for. The challenge, though, that I want to issue fathers today is what is your cause? What is your cause? You see, each of us has a cause or causes which are demonstrated by our actions. Causes show up through our actions. Whatever you say, it happens through your actions. And this is just uh, uh, paraphrasing what James wrote. He said, show me, uh, you say you have faith, well, show me your faith. I want to see it. In your actions. Our causes are not just through our words, but they're through our actions. And I want to remind each person today that it's important to remember what our cause is. Jesus himself had a cause, and if I'm to pattern my life after him, I must remember what his cause was. In John chapter 12 and verse 27, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, kind of almost like a soliloquy. He's off, almost standing off to the side, speaking to himself almost. 
And it says, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. He is speaking of his death on the cross, that he came to this earth for a reason. There was a cause that he came to earth, and it was for his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I want to tell you though, because as we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus could have had any number of causes here on earth. Jesus could have come and his cause could have been to heal all of the sick people. He could have come and he could have taken care of all poverty in the world. He could have come and ended world hunger if he wanted to. But I want to remind you this morning that none of those were his cause. Although he did heal people, although he did feed 5,000, that was not his cause. The reason that he came to this earth was your salvation. It was because of you that he came to this earth. It was because of you that he gave his life. And I want to remind someone that you were worth Jesus going to the cross and dying for. It was worth all the suffering and pain because of your life that He cared and loved you so much. It was because of you that the sins of the world came upon Him on a cross. And it was because of the cause that He went to that cross and endured it. In fact, Scripture says that He willed Himself to stay on the cross. He could have called down angels. He could have done anything. And yet the Scripture tells me, He said, I will myself to stay on this cross. You are worth it. You were His cause. And let me remind you that he thought you were a cause worth fighting for. And that he still fights for you today. He's still fighting for your soul today. Those aren't just some strange uh, feeling that you feel. No, that's him fighting for you today. That's his convicting power on you today as you feel his spirit. Because he thinks you're a cause worth fighting for. His cause was to seek and to save the lost. His cause was you and I and our salvation. Today, fathers, what is your cause? Specifically, what do your actions reveal to your children that your cause is? What do your actions reveal to your children that your cause in life is? Well, we know what is right and what truth is and what the cause should be. We all know that. There are any number of causes that can begin to overtake what should be our cause. You see, the pressures on fatherhood really haven't changed a whole lot. There's, there's a lot of pressures that we feel, and I'm not saying that it's more or less than women, so I, you have childbirth and you have all that stuff. For all the men that were in Sunday school, they have fidget spinners. And we'll just leave that there. The Lord convicted me, because I almost put that up in this PowerPoint, and He said, that's not a good idea. But we can be, uh, there, there, there's all kinds of things that can begin to become our cause, even though we know what's important. You know what a cause can become in my life? It's simply giving my kids what I never had. You know, I, I, I never had this as a kid growing up. I'm still working on the tree house that I never got as a kid. That's, that's almost turning into uh, the promises that I had as a child. I've told my boys, we'll have a tree house, and they keep asking me, and I keep saying, well, later, that's just... One of these days, walking in my father's footsteps there. But we can, we can think, you know, I never had this as a kid, and I don't want my kids to live that way. It can become a cause in our life. You know what? It can become a cause in our life, making sure my family doesn't want for anything. You know, as men, we feel the pressure of providing for our families, and I believe you should provide for your family. But all of a sudden, provision can become a cause in my life. And I'm so focused on providing and giving my kids what, they never, what I never had. 
Let me ask you, what's your cause today? My cause can become my kid's education. When I make it paramount that my kids uh, uh, get to the best schools, get to the best everything, and it becomes my focus and educate, none of these things are wrong. But I'm asking, what's your cause? What is your reason for being? Making sure that my kids do what they want to do. Oh. Suddenly, I'm driving my kids here, there, and everywhere because my kids want to do this and they want to do that. And suddenly, what my kids want to do becomes my cause. Maybe my cause is doing things that are socially acceptable, that society expects of me. You know, we live in the Midwest. I don't know if this is considered the Bible Belt, but Salem should be with this many churches. But it's socially acceptable to go to church. Something we do. Maybe, maybe uh, becoming a part of this or going to certain events or showing up at this becomes our cause and we begin to try to fit in with those around us. Maybe my cause becomes simply keeping up with other people. Now, none of us admit that we keep up with other people, but we do. We see something new and we think, man, I don't really need that. That's a waste of money. And then three weeks later, we're like, well, maybe I do need that. You know, it's amazing. I, I said to the men this morning, I walked in Lowe's the other day and I just saw so many things that I needed. I just needed. There was things that I needed at Lowe's that I did not know that I needed on the drive there. But when I got there, I needed them. And the stuff that I have that's new that still works fine just didn't seem to... It can't get the job done like it used to. So I need something else. And suddenly I become caught up. My cause becomes keeping up with people, getting a better this, getting a better that. There's all kind of causes that can begin to pull at us. Remember I mentioned there were all kind of causes that could have pulled at Jesus. There were good causes. There were right causes. It's not wrong to heal everybody. It's not wrong to, to feed all the poor. It's not wrong to do that. But that was not His cause. That was not His purpose. And so I'm challenging fathers today. What is your cause? I have a video today. Just a short video I'd like to play. If they could play that today. There once was a man who was hired to be the keeper of a lighthouse. The man was given one task, to keep the lighthouse lit. He was supplied with one month's ration of oil to keep the lamp burning at night. The man had always prided himself as a generous man, and he hoped that his new neighbors would see him as such. So when a woman knocked on the door of the lighthouse and asked for some oil to keep her home heated, the lighthouse keeper decided it was a worthy cause. He carefully measured the oil out and gave it to the woman. A few days later, a man came to the lighthouse keeper and asked for some oil so his son could read at night. Again, the oil was carefully measured and given. Yet another man asked for oil for an engine. Each time a request was made, the lighthouse keeper would give the oil. However, on the last night of the month, there was not enough oil to burn the lamp. That night, three ships crashed because there was no light. Hundreds of people died. 
investigation was begun and the lighthouse keeper was questioned. When asked why there was no lamp burning, he told the investigator of each of the people who had requested oil and the need that each of them had. In response, the investigator said, I'm sure that each of the causes seemed worthy to you, but you failed to achieve your purpose. You were given one task, to keep the light burning. Everything else was secondary. You have no defense. I ask fathers today, what is your cause? You see, that video captured me as I began to think. Of course, you knew a storm was coming once the oil started being handed out. The thing was, is that they found that there was a lot of worthy causes. The guy wanted to appear generous. He wanted to help a child read. But he was given one job. And there was failure in the main cause. He was given one task to keep the light burning. Now, were the other things bad? No. But everything else had to be secondary to keeping the light burning. Let me just say today, as a Christian, your job is to keep your light burning. You cannot let anything else come into your life that would let the light go out. We have the story, the parable of the ten virgins, and we know how the oil ran out and what happened to those who had no oil. I want to challenge you today, just as a Christian, you must keep the light burning. You must keep the Holy Ghost in your life. You must keep salvation in your life. You must keep your focus upon the primary thing in your life. You have been called to keep the light burning. But to fathers today too, if I could add possibly a second thing, as a father, you are to ignite the light in your child's life. Everything else is secondary in my child's life except to know that they're serving the Lord. Everything else is secondary in my life. I'm going to use this example because it's what I was involved in growing up. I'm not speaking against anything, but I was highly involved with sports when I was growing up. In fact, I was on every sports team that the school offered, including, yes, you can laugh, the badminton team. Because it's a sport. I played on every single team I could. Most nights I didn't get, home, get out of school until 5 or 5.30 because I was in practices for something or other. I played in mixed field hockey. I played rugby. I played soccer. I was on track and field. I played badminton. I played tennis. I played anything that would be offered except cricket. Didn't like that. But you know what? There was one stipulation. Because keeping everything else secondary sometimes means saying yes to some things. But it's much harder as a parent to say no to others. There was one rule with my sports. It was a hard and fast rule. No sports on Sunday. You can't miss church functions because of sports. Man, I hated that. I hated that. Soccer games were on a Saturday. I'd have to get up early, take the train, go to the school, and then get a ride to the soccer game. And then a lot of times I would not have time to even shower. I'd have to immediately leave the game, get on a bus or a train, and make my way towards the church building because I had to be there for outreach. If I missed outreach, I was in trouble. I would actually miss the next game. And I'm not talking about when I was six. Obviously, I'm not riding the train by myself when I'm six. I was a teenager. You know what? It was no. I knew when I joined the badminton team, haha, all the tournaments were on a Sunday. I knew that. And my parents didn't care if I joined the team, but you know what? I'm not going to a tournament. 
You know how annoying that is to practice and, and go to everything and then not go to the tournament? You know what? The worst thing ever was I was on the, the 4x100 meters relay team. I did all kinds of stuff in track and field. Did high jump, long jump, 400 meters, 100 meters. 4x100, we made it through counties, placed in nationals. Guess when the meet was? Sunday. Guess who didn't run in nationals? My one chance to prove to the entire nation of Scotland how fast I was. You know what? I never went. And I'm not preaching against sports. I'm preaching against things that are secondary. Because you know what? While I did not appreciate it as a young person, as a child, my eyes were located somewhere else. I was looking towards something else. Because honestly, my eyes were not always upon Jesus as a young person. Unfortunately, I know yours were, but mine weren't. But you know what? I respect and honor my parents. I respect and honor my father because in spite of everything, he didn't just say yes to church, but he said no to some things because his primary goal was not to make me happy. His primary goal was not for me to be so good at something that I excelled and everybody knew it. His goal was for me to keep my eyes upon Jesus Christ. And I challenge you fathers today, there can be a whole lot of things that can turn your kids' eyes. There can be a whole lot of things that they may be good at and you feel like they may miss out on. But your job is not to do that. Your job is not to produce an athlete. Your job is not to produce an academic. Your job is not to produce a community servant. Your job is to keep their eyes upon Jesus Christ. What is your cause today? What is your cause? My cause needs to be Jesus Christ. My cause needs to be His church. My cause needs to be upon Him. And I respect them today because I know it wasn't easy. I mean, if you know me very much, you know I don't enjoy an argument. That's sarcastic. I don't enjoy sarcasm either. And I know arguments that I had. I know that it wasn't fair. I know that my life would forever be changed and altered. I know that I would be an Olympic athlete by now. I knew all that stuff going in. I, I knew that those were the arguments. You know what? Church is more important. Let me just say this too. You know that day that I missed the nationals and I was at church? I would love for this to be some great story. Where I tell you that was the day, that Sunday that I missed and sacrificed running in nationals was the day that God changed my life at service that day. That was the day that I, before the sermon was even over, I ran to the altars. I hugged the, 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 the pulpit, weeping as God molded and changed my heart. I have no idea what happened at church that day. None. None. And I could have said, you know what? See, it didn't even matter. Nothing happened today. Matter of fact, I probably sat slumped down in a seat most of the service. Probably what I did. Say, well, what was, it, it wasn't worth it. No, something was pointed out to me. That the house of God is important. There's a cause that's more important than my desires as a young person, as a child. And today, fathers, I want to challenge you. What is your cause? What is your cause? Because your actions demonstrate your cause. If it's alright to skip, if it's alright to allow them to turn their eyes, you're demonstrating what your cause is as well. And I understand, I understand that, that it's, it can become difficult to keep your own light burning, never mind ignite the light in somebody else's life. I understand that. But I want to challenge you today and remind you that you 
you are not alone. 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 44. This is Solomon's prayer at the dedication of the temple. He says, if thy people go out to battle against thy, their enemy. And let me tell you, it's a battle to keep your, your children's eyes upon the Lord. Whithersoever thou shalt send them. And shalt pray unto the Lord toward the city which thou hast chosen. And toward the house that I have built for thy name. Then hear thou in heaven their prayer and their supplication. And maintain their cause. Let me tell you, you're not fighting this by yourself. But the Lord will help you maintain the cause. He will work out your path. He will give you the strength you need. You're not fighting alone today. I know taking a stand for the right cause can be unpopular and feel lonely. And your kids, you may think, will not like you or will hate you. You know what? I challenge you today, point them in the direction of Jesus Christ. Turn their eyes upon Jesus. If they make a decision later, that's fine. But it's my job to make sure their eyes are upon Jesus Christ. To those that have children that aren't at home, that are growing, I challenge you today to keep your light burning. I challenge you to continue to show your children how to live your life through every situation, through every life stage, through every circumstance. I know they may not be at home. I know they may not be under your care, but that doesn't matter. Your light can still be a witness to those that are your children. I challenge fathers today, what's your cause? Because your actions are demonstrating your cause. And I close today. The musicians would come. Or just one of them. Whoever wants to come. Maybe one day I'll just call Brother David up. I would like to close with a bass solo today. It's important for me to sound the right cause. It's important for me to demonstrate the right cause. Because every cause has an effect. Every cause has an effect. Let me say, your actions have an effect, fathers. We know that, but it's in the nitty-gritty details of life. It's when our kids challenge us to do one thing when we know something else is right. And they keep asking and keep asking and everyone else is doing it. And it's not fair. And finally you give in because you just want them to be quiet. It's in those moments that it's difficult to keep your eyes and their eyes upon Jesus. But every cause has an effect. Because when I let them go in one area, then they begin to see that. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 7. It's speaking of uh, speaking in tongues and something else, but I felt the Lord impress me with this verse. And even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds. How shall it be known what is piped or harped? How are you going to know the difference between the bass and the keyboard unless they have different sounds. There's a sound that's distinct to it. You can close your eyes and tell it's, the, it's not the drums, it's the piano playing right now. Paul's getting real deep. But verse 8 says, For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? You know as well as I that rough times will hit. You know that. You know they're going to hit your kids' lives as much as you try and protect them. They're going to go through rough spells. You know it. The unexpected will happen. You can expect it. And here's the question. What happens in those moments? In those moments when tough times hit? When in those moments suddenly I pick up the trumpet in those times? 
And I begin to blow the trumpet and say, it's time for battle. Will that be an unfamiliar sound to my children's ears? When our family's going through a rough patch and I say, family, it's time we go to the altar and pray. My kid's going to look at me and go, go to the altar? That's a strange sound. You don't usually go to the altar, Dad. If we're going through a rough patch, we say, you know what? Let's all come together and pray about this. What? What is that noise? Because up until that point, your actions haven't demonstrated that that's your cause. See, you, you, you've said, no, this is our cause, or this is important, this is important. Now, all of a sudden, in the middle, you want to say, no, God's important now. Are your kids going to hear the sound of the trumpet? Are they going to be confused by the sound? What? Why is dad worshiping like that? That's an unfamiliar sound. Is it simply going to confuse my family because it's something they're not used to hearing? What is your cause? I don't just want to pick up the habits of Christianity. As, as, I'm finishing up here, don't worry. I was going to be short because it's Father's Day and they might like a shorter message, so I'm going to try and hurry up here. Brother Gene had 10 pages on Wednesday. 10 pages. I'm just going to warn you, don't ever wish I had 10 pages because I'm on page four. Three and a half, actually. I tried to be shorter. But as we look at the Israelites on this day in the, in the verses we read, they were encamped for war, is what Scripture tells us. That means if you would have walked upon the Israelites, you would have thought these people are ready for battle. They had the tents up, they had the, they had the quartermaster, they had the, the chow tent, they had spears, they had swords laying around. They looked like they were ready for war. But for whatever reason, we know it was Goliath. They became comfortable being encamped and following the ritual and routine of army life, yet they never fought. They were used to seeing weapons being carried around and laying around and maybe walking around with their sword. They were used to that. They were probably used to being put on watch duty at various times and having to get up in the middle of the night and keep a watch. They were used to that. They were warriors in appearance, in appearance but they, there was no reality of them actually fighting while the giant was around. They looked like soldiers for at least 40 days, but they never fought. I don't want to just pick up the habits of Christianity. You see, because while they looked like warriors, that was not their cause. That was not their cause. That's why when David came up and said, is there not a cause? His brother said, what are you doing here? This is, this is strange talk. You're in an army camp and you want to fight? You're strange. You're a Christian? You want us to pray together? That's weird. What's your cause? Am I satisfied with the habits of Christianity where I come to church and this is what my family does? We know that it's more than habits and rituals and routines. No, it's more than that. It's something deeper. It's a cause that I have in my life. 
that every decision my family makes, every decision I make for my family has to be run through not habits. It has to be run through the filter of my cause, which should be keeping the lamp lit. See, they had nothing they were really fighting for. So let me ask you this question. If they're soldiers encamped, but they weren't ready to fight, were they really soldiers? They weren't winning. They weren't losing. Because it really wasn't their cause anymore. They did not wake up ready to fight. They woke up knowing Goliath would come out and they'd all talk about it. When the enemy called for a soldier, when the enemy, when Goliath said, send me a man to fight, when the call went out for battle, it was an unfamiliar call because there were no soldiers in that camp anymore. It took a shepherd to come in and say, you know what? My cause is different than yours. It was just a bunch of men who looked like it. And we know that because their actions demonstrated their cause. Let me say, I don't want to just see a bunch of men, a bunch of fathers who look like they're Christians. No, I want your families to reflect the cause of Jesus Christ. I want your families to reflect. I want my family to reflect the fact that the most important thing in our life is not all these other things that could be good causes. They may be uh, things that are fine by themselves. But if they ever take away from keeping the light of the Holy Ghost lit in our lives, they're secondary. They're not as important. The most important thing is to keep the light of my family lit. So I ask fathers today, what are your actions saying your cause is today? Look at your schedule. Look at your priorities. What's your cause? There is a cause. David asked that question. There is a cause. The enemy is after your family. So I know there's a cause. There's a reward. It's eternity. But what is your cause today, fathers, as we stand this morning? I want people to like me. I don't know there's too many people that want to be hated. I want people to like me. You know what? I want my kids to like me too. But you know what? If my kids look back and say, you know what? He kept my eyes on Jesus. Is there anything more important? I want us to pray this morning. I want us to pray all together, first of all. Because this message can involve everybody. As we look at the cause of our life. Are things putting it out? Are there things that are good things, but they're making the cause of Jesus Christ secondary? I want us all to pray right now. Lord Jesus, we come before you. Lord, I pray that your word would go forth and do its work. That you would challenge.